Welcome to History of a Haunting. I am Carrie. And I am Laura. And we are doing this for a second time because we love this particular episode so much. No. If it was good the first time, it's, it's better the second time. Yeah. The sequel is better and it's really better. Um, actually, no. We are also doing our dress rehearsal for YouTube and um, the first time we recorded the overlays and none of the fun special stuff that you guys are going to see on YouTube worked, which, okay, that was fine. We can figure out those kinks. But then when I went to pull the audio to edit the episode, uh, the audio was corrupted. <laughs> so it's been kind of a shit show um, the entire time. So we're doing it again. Uh, we're hoping everything goes goes really great. And uh, yeah, that's that's that on that. Laura, how's your day been? Uh, it's been an absolute shit show, and now I have a little bit of uh, allergies or cold, so it's good that we are re-recording when I can barely breathe. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I so also, yeah, have, the, have a touch of a cold, and as I'm talking, like, I can feel a cough needing to happen, um, mm-hmm. but I just, I'm like, just keep talking, and that cough will go away, Carrie. It's totally fine. <laughs> no, guys, we don't have COVID. But people still are getting colds uh, and people true. still have allergies. So this is the situation we're facing today. Um, to that end, we do have a, a couple of EVPs. And Laura, why don't you tell those folks what those are while I figure out what's going on with my green screen? So uh, merch is now up. Our pre-sale for the hoodies is happening. Feel free to mosey on over to our site to get your presale ho- hoodie. Um, I'm really excited. <laughs> I know, dude. Words it's going to happen. Super hard words today. are going to be I real have, hard. Like, I've had cold medicine. There's there are things there are things that are happening. So words are already hard, and now they're going to be harder. Yeah, when I have a bunch of cold medicine inside of me. It's not great. It's not great. Uh, we are really excited about the hoodies. Um, we're also getting super geared up for our live episode and our hundredth episode at the Stanley hotel. Uh, if you haven't seen the promos on our, uh, Facebook or Instagram, uh, go ahead and take a look. We're going to be doing a Facebook live. We're going to be having lots of fun and we really hope you guys will tune in for that as well. Uh, that's all I can think of. What else you got? Um, that's all I can think of too. We're getting a lot of really good interest for the Stanley Hotel event, which, um, gives me a bit of anxiety. I mean, I love our show. I think our show is fabulous and wonderful, but we've actually never had a live event like this. Uh, so, uh, the execution (laughs) of it is a little daunting to, to me. Um, but I know we'll get it figured out. It's going to be so much fun. So we really hope it is a free event on Facebook, guys. So uh, we'll be sending out reminders. You can certainly click, you know, interested or going or whatever um, and join us on Friday, October 1st. So 
we're excited for that. Archie will be a part of this episode, guys. So it will be his first episode back since he left the show. So come on over and, you know, say hi to Arch and check us out. We got games, we got prizes. Well, for, you know, us. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, you, we definitely, it's going to be very interactive and we, we would love to have all of you a part of it. So uh, that is all I have for EVPs, I think. I don't remember what okay. EVPs we rattled off in the first go around with this show. So let's just, hey. you want to just get right it. into it? Let's get into it. Let's get into it. All right, so, guys, Laura, tell them what we're going to be discussing today. Today we are going to be discussing the possession of Anna Eklund. Yes. Um, so we got our sources from wikipedia.com, grunge.com, diabolic, diabolicalconfusions.wordpress.com. That would fuck you up last time, too. <laughs> it did. Because it seems like it should be like confessions every single time I hear diabolical confusions it fucking makes me confused right yeah i think it should be diabolical confessions but yeah you did a great job alas, it's not <laughs> you did <laughs> and i'm still like you know promoting that <laughs> it's the real name if somebody has that website let us know we would love to read what you talk about and confess that is diabolical on your blog right? and then i won't mess it up when i use it as a source <laughs> we won't direct people to the wrong place um exactly. <laughs> All right. Um, You know how I feel about possession cases, you guys, Uh, but this one is a unique one. Um, It's not one that, you know, inspired any kind of crazy movie. You know, Annalise Michelle, she did inspire uh, The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Roland Doe, not Rolling Doe, as my mom thought it was. Uh, (laughs) Roland Doe did inspire The Exorcist. Um, Anna Eklund did not, but her case is very unique and unusual and really fucked up. So I was like, well, we got to do this one. (laughs) Bring it on. All right. So, Laura, why don't you uh, go ahead and um, interrupt me so I quit talking. All right. Sounds good. So Anna Eklund was a pseudonym for Emma Schmidt. An American woman whose alleged demonic possession and exorcism occurred over several decades, culminating in an extensive exorcism that lasted from August 18th to December 23rd, 1928, in Earling, Iowa. Eklund was said to have exhibited symptoms akin to possession beginning at age 14 and was 46 years old during her final exorcism by Father Theophilus Reisinger, a Roman Catholic priest. That's a really fucking long time. I think that's the longest. That's a really long time. That's a really long time. And I think that that's the longest case we've ever covered on this show. I feel like. I wouldn't be surprised. I feel like. I don't think I've ever heard anything that long either. I don't think. So. Yeah. It, this is. This is insane. That's another. It's just another one of those things that makes this case so different from all of those other ones. But there's so many similarities as there generally is. But this one, this poor woman's mm-hmm. entire life, essentially, was. Absolutely. Consume. Her entire adult life. For yeah. Yeah, for not sure. Not even adult. Yeah. Yeah. So, surprisingly enough, the story of Anna Eklund is not an easy one to come by, kind of as we just talked about. Like, it's not um, promoted. It's certainly not the most um, uh, prolific as far as, like, what has been made into movies and books, et cetera. Right? Right. Like, kind of what we just talked about. 
For sure. Um, but it is considered the most famous exorcism story in the United States. So there are different varying accounts to the whole thing, um, and very few books have been published about it. One of these books, however, is entitled um, Begone Satan, and it was written by Father Carl Vogue um, approximately 80 years ago, um, and a big portion of what we're going to tell you is actually taken directly from that book. So probably not a book that we would have found in the card catalog at our school library. I, um, I went to Catholic school, so absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> this is how dumb I am. I was like, but though it's probably in every Catholic school, right? No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. You're like, don't even say Satan in Catholic school. <laughs> uh-uh. <laughs> okay. So this case is actually considered by theology and paranormal scholars to be one of the most abundantly documented cases of possession in the 20th century, including a profile in a 1936 issue of Time magazine. Check it out. So this is the actual issue that um, this case was written up in, and there was uh-huh. a little um, feature on Dr. Theophilus Reisinger. Reisinger? What do you think? Mm-hmm. We're going, I think it's Reisinger. Reisinger, we're going with that. Here is that fine gentleman right here. So here's the article that was written up about him and this case in a Time magazine, which I'm sorry, I kind of think is hella cool. I think that's really cool. Right? Yeah. Time magazine, you know, Mm -hmm. that's that's no small thing. Um, So she was born in Milwaukee on March 23rd in 1882, raised in a Catholic household in Marathon, Wisconsin. According to birth records, both of Schmidt's parents were of German descent and German immigrants. So that's kind of a given, right? If they were of German descent, they were German immigrants in 1882, maybe? Well, German... Yes, the descent part, but the fact that they were immigrants makes it seem like they were first... They were first generation and she was second. Right. Okay, cool. All right. Thanks for saving my dumbass with that one. Um, No problem. (laughs) To start it off, (laughs) very much like the case of Annalisa Michelle, Anna was possessed by multiple diabolical entities. However, there were additional entities which resided within her, which were at one time human. And I think this is the part of it that terrifies me the most about this case is just so shocking and disgusting. Because namely, these were the spirits of her father, Jacob Eklund, and her aunt, who incidentally was her father's mistress. Uh, This woman's name was Mina. Also similar to Mm -hmm. Annalisa Michelle, um, Judas Iscariot was also one of the spirits possessing Anna Eklund. And as we all know, he was the one that had betrayed Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. So... um, By age 14, she had already begun to have severely, strongly presented symptoms of possession, such as an intense aversion to anything holy or sacred, including blessed objects or images. Very much like Annalisa Michelle, she was unable to uh, enter a church because of some unseen force, and she ended up developing an almost obsessive interest in depraved and disturbing sexual acts. Many people attribute this to the fact that they truly believe that Jacob was successful in his attempts to have an incestuous relationship with his daughter. 
It's terrible. I, yeah, I can't even. Um, I really got to hand it to a lot of these true crime podcasts that talk about this stuff and live in this world. I've said it before on this podcast mm-hmm. that live in this world weekly. I because I I would m- much rather live with ghosts. I think I don't. The, well, we talk about shitty stuff literally every week, too. We do. Because we talk about what created the ghosts. It's never good stuff. Right. We're like, so happy there. They just didn't want to leave. Like, I think we've that's had that come up true. twice. Yeah. I think yeah. Yeah, that's true. So, A lot of our stuff is, like, older, though. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I just think... I really want a true crime podcast. I have not given up on the idea of sometimes people suck. But, um, yeah, when we talk about stories like this, I'm kind of like, maybe it's children. Maybe it's just, I don't know. Um, I really don't like possession cases, but they're very important stories to tell, and they creep me out. (laughs) But maybe that's my whole problem, too. Um, So anyway, a lot of people believe that he was successful in his attempts of an incestuous relationship with his daughter and that these actions imprinted themselves upon her, uh, but it can't be proven. Also, if it's true, can't blame her. I mean, you can't. That's a terrible thing to have happen. Um, It's believed that by the time she was 26 years old, Anna had become completely and totally possessed. Now, we have talked about before on this podcast, that there are four stages of possession. First one is infestation. This is the haunted house type of stuff. Footsteps, voices, apparitions, things like that. Objects moving without human assistance, that kind of thing. Um, The second stage is oppression. Oppression is where the activity steps up with physical attacks, sleep disturbances, regular nightmares, frequent and severe illnesses, depression, anxiety, that kind of thing, severe financial or employment problems, relationship troubles. Um, While these things do happen in the normal course of life, all of them happening at once or in rapid succession could be the sign of a demonic presence. Um, So uh, the second, or rather the third stage is obsession, wherein... um, The afflicted person has a hard time functioning. They're constantly preoccupied with the thoughts of the demonic activity that's commandeering their life. Frequent thoughts of suicide as well. Sleep is almost impossible. All three of these stages can be addressed by a competent deliverance minister. However, the last stage is reserved for official exorcists. And those are typically ones that are chosen, trained, and approved by the Vatican uh, for the Catholic religion. I'm sure that there are exorcists in other religions. Uh, For the purpose of this particular story, it is Catholic exorcists that try to help this girl. Um, The fourth stage being possession, which is what they believed that Anna was in. Um, Contrary to popular belief, possession is not actually demons entering a person's body and taking over his or her soul. Free will is always something that the person has complete control of. It is never removed, but what they do is they work to compromise it. In a possession, a person is so physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually broken down by the entities possessing it that the other three through the other three stages that the demonic spirits Mm -hmm. can seize occasional Mm -hmm. control over that person's actions and eventually a person can come to a point where they just just to make it stop would willingly give their soul to these demons um 
telltale signs. So they kind of just give up. Right, exactly, exactly. After being just beaten down, right? Right, a thousand percent. So telltale signs of possession include superhuman strength, speaking in a language that the victim doesn't know, um, an aversion to holy objects or places, knowledge of events or facts that the victim could not possibly know, and changes in facial features, which I thought was really, really interesting. That is really interesting. Not great. But interesting. No, it's it's not great. I don't think anything here sounds great. (laughs) The title of this episode is "It's Not Great." (laughs) Right, exactly. That's what we should just call it. It's what we should change the podcast name to. (laughs) It might be it might be appropriate as well. So uh, the thing here is that it was claimed that Father uh, Reisinger, a Kapuchin monk from Wisconsin had successfully completed an exorcism on June 18, 1912, but it was ultimately unsuccessful due to the fact that both her father, Jacob, and her aunt slash his mistress, Mina, had begun to place curses on Anna. They would curse the spices and the food which was given to her and the, around the community where they lived. While they were alive, it was whispered quietly that Mina was actually a practicing witch with knowledge of the black arts. So during these alleged curses, the two of them actually called upon the assistance from the devil so that Anna could specifically suffer the torment of being repossessed again because they knew that according to the Bible, if a demon is expelled, but for whatever reason is allowed to return, he will return with seven stronger than him. And that next possession will be significantly harder and almost impossible to successfully correct via an exorcism. So, a full two day, two decades later after the first exorcism was performed, um, Father Theo began, we're going to call him Theo, because the, Theophilus is just Theophilus. too goddamn long. <laughs> Father it's Theo, too much. I like it. Father Theo, that's what we're going with. <laughs> began the process again. So this is actually where the book Begun Satan opens, and you read about the verbal exchange between Father Theo and a friend of his, Father Joseph Steiger, who was a parish priest in the town where this possession is known for, Erling, Iowa. So Father Theo had originally hoped that if he could remove Anna like from her hometown and perform these rituals elsewhere, then it would be unknown and it could go on in complete discretion. Right. But starting from the moment that the opening prayers were recited, this was proven to be anything but the case. Oh, shit. Okay. Right. So it was agreed upon that a nearby convent would be used. Uh, it was maintained by Franciscan nuns, um, and the mother superior, you know, had to sign off on the them bringing her there to do the exorcism. Sure. Uh, which, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Like... Right. Kind of an intense shit. Thing to say, like, right. hey, um, can my can my friend stay there for like just a minute? Um, no, she's no, got no, some. She's peop- I mean, she's, she's got fine. some baggage. She's got some issues. Um, she just needs like you know, strap her down stay for a minute. Yeah, yeah. Like, do you have like an empty room? Maybe some pads. Yeah, she's so, kind of loud. Uh, she screams <laughs> a lot. I, it, it's not going to be. She fabulous. speaks a lot of Latin. It's real weird. Um. <laughs> But yeah, exactly. So um, once Anna had been transported to this location, uh, strange occurrences began almost instantly. 
So some of the nuns there had sure. attempted to give Anna food, in which is the custom um, they had already blessed. Um, so like magic, um, that day forward, if anyone had attempted to bless any of Anna's food, she would know it. This creeps me out she so would, hard. She would refuse to eat it. Yeah. Right? She would, yeah. She would hiss like a cat and show <laughs> great aversion to the food. God. That's in and of itself very fucking weird. Um, and so the nuns could only give her like unblessed food that was prepared specifically for her because that's the only way they could get her to eat. Well, I think the next time you take me to a crazy restaurant and want me to try something I don't like, I'm just going to hiss at you. <laughs> and that way, you know, it's not, I'm not going to eat this. <laughs> that I know. <laughs> that would be a very direct and... Fucked up kind of way to let me know. But, but <laughs> so here's a list of the demons or demonized spirits that are said to be inside on them. Okay. Um, so an inhuman is Lucifer. Another inhuman is Beelzebub. There is a human Judas, which we talked about earlier, Iscariot. Um, another human, Jacob, her father, Blech. another human, Mina, her aunt slash mistress of her father slash black Grossness. Witch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lots of fucked up shit. Going see on you there. next Tuesday. Sure. Go on. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. So additionally, there were hordes of lesser devils and avenging spirits described, um, to be like a swarm of mosquitoes. Bye. Yeah, doesn't sound great. <laughs> I hate mosquitoes. Fuck those things. <laughs> Demon mosquitoes? That's the worst. <laughs> For sure. Mosquitoes are demonic. Like, as far as I'm concerned, possessed by the devil as it is. <laughs> eat the fuck only, out of me. I hate them. Only fucking Lucifer could come up with those bugs. Okay, so in the end, demons and mosquitoes are the same thing, and they're bad. Are we clear on that? Everybody's good to go. We know what. Yeah. Everyone's 100% agreed. behind this. Cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now Judas, it was revealed, was only there because he's a massive dick. Um, he is apparently, <laughs> his assignment um, was to tempt Anna into committing suicide, um, which in the eyes of the Catholic Church is an unforgivable act. I, I'm not well versed on other religions and how they view it, but... Um, I'm a, from the few religions I am familiar with, it's also considered an unforgivable act. Um, Unfortunately, due to his history, uh, (laughs) it Mm -hmm. said that in the hierarchy of hell, Judas Iscariot would be the equivalent of the, to the patron demon of suicides. That's kind of his jam. He is constantly trying to get people to commit the ultimate unforgivable act of suicide. Interesting. Yeah. Um, Did you ever hear, did they ever talk about any of this kind of stuff in Catholic school or they just never talked about any sort of, I mean, we would talk about how like the devil could tempt you and stuff like that, but it was never more than generality. Stay on the, yeah. Stay on the right side because you know, but nothing this intense. Even in high school when we did mm. a lot more of a deep dive into 
the theology and oh, okay. history and stuff. Like we still, there's not a lot of talk about the hell part. It's more doctrine and, mm. you know, how to be a good Catholic and yeah. okay. stuff. All right. Yeah, the later side. Sure. Sure. So now yeah. Jacob, her father was condemned to hell because he cursed his daughter to be defiled by demons uh, because she would not commit to uh, being defiled by him in an incestuous relationship. Uh, (laughs) We don't know if, yeah, super gross. We don't know if he was successful, but once in hell, the devil gladly allowed Jacob to continue to try and to essentially continue to molest his daughter, um, despite the fact that he was no longer among the living, which I find holy, holy terrifying that somebody who tormented you in life could end up in hell and still be allowed to torment you in death. That is, that's, that's another reason why this story is so unique from the other possession cases that we have covered on this show. Um, right. That they got the opportunity to continue their acts. Right, exactly. The, it, mm-hmm. the 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 mere idea is is terrifying in and of itself. So, right. during these exorcisms that she had gone through, Jacob eventually spoke and said that he had cursed Anna for not submitting to his incestuous desires. Um, calling upon, he did call upon the devil to tempt her with every unspeakable sin against chastity. In the book Beyond Satan, the author describes Jacob's life as coarse and brutal, taking Anna's aunt Mina as a mistress while he was still married and repeatedly trying to seduce Anna. Um, At his death, apparently a priest had um, administered an extreme unction. And I didn't look that up. Do you know what an unction is? Is it like a... No. No. It, it's, is that like last rites or? Uh, it says that he had administered extreme unction, but Jacob had ridiculed him. So maybe, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know if that means it was known he was trying to do this with his daughter and that he was having an affair with his wife's sister. I'm not really sure. Um, oh, okay. So it's, I looked it up. It's cool. the act of anointing. As a rite of consecration or healing. Oh. So it sounds like he, they tried to probably anoint him with oil, like as part of the last rites. Okay. All right. And so basically then Jacob ridiculed the priest for even attempting to do right. something like this, which is basically, mm-hmm. again, you know, kind of spitting in the face of God sort of a situation. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, um, what a great guy. Um, the, uh, the book had continued, quote, in the judgment after death, even, um, in the judgment after death, even all that was pardoned him, but because he had cursed his own daughter, that ultimately was the guilt of his internal damnation. Uh, and so he was still scheming in hell as to how he could torture and molest his child. And this Lucifer gladly permitted him to do. So now, whether Anna's virginity was had really remained intact, um, even at age 46, nobody really knows, or whether she had repressed her sexual contact with her father is unknown. Um, and frankly, none of our business. Uh, now, Mina, this whore, 
Uh, <laughs> 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 this fucking bitch. Um, she was condemned. How do you really feel, Carrie? I mean, she was condemned to hell because she had led a prolonged immoral life. So apparently she wasn't fucking like Little Miss Goody Two-Shoes when Jacob happened on the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, so she had led a prolonged immoral life. Um, and then she, you know, continued it with Jacob when his wife was still alive. Also, she had committed a child murder. So apparently she had killed four children in her lifetime. While it actually can't be confirmed, it is believed that these children were her own and they were killed during the process of abortion. Now, during the exorcism, another voice came out of Anna. This was a high falsetto voice that was actually present from the beginning among the other voices and it revealed itself to be Mina. So God had damned her for living with Jacob and for murdering four children. The book suggests that the children were her own, like I had just mentioned, and then had she had had multiple abortions. Um, the author, this Carl Vogel, who wrote this book, describes Mina as any devil's equal for malice and hate, filled with spite and blaspheming the blessed sacrament. So... She immediately went straight to hell, did not collect $200, and had a fruit basket waiting for her when she got there. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Out of the entire group, it was claimed that both Mina and Judas were the worst offenders against the Blessed Sacrament, which makes sense. I mean, especially if she were a practitioner of black magic, and she was Mm -hmm. poisoning her food, and she was doing these curses, and she's kind of the one that got this whole ball rolling. Um, That doesn't really surprise me. Um, They were constantly attempting to somehow destroy or defile the Blessed Sacrament. So to manipulate or mutilate it would represent everything that they had actually attempted to do in life. Um, And it would be in league with a diabolical activity attempting to taint anything holy. So fuck Hmm. them very much. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, They got a lot of shit going on, man. Oh, my God. I know. I was like, oh, God. I drank when I was 14 and I thought I was going to hell. Turns out. Hey, me too. Cheers. Hey, cheers. Turns out, um, they were probably laughing at me in hell. Oh, look at that cute little kid. She thinks she's (laughs) getting in here with that. Um, Some some of the more intense paranormal phenomena that occurred during this 23-day-long exorcism. Now, this is the one that you had mentioned occurred in the 20s. So they had done the successful one okay. or what they thought was successful in 1912. Mm-hmm. And then decades later, it all kind of started up again. And this right. is, this happened in the 20s. Um, okay. Maybe not decades, plural. I'm bad at math. It, it, we say it That's all the fine. time. You got it. You're doing I got great. this. I got this. Um, two plus great. two is five. So. You're doing that perfect. <laughs> <laughs> um, hire me as your child's math tutor, please. Um, <laughs> so some of the paranormal phenomena that she exhibited during this 23-day-long exorcism were that she exhibited inhuman strength that required sometimes up to six athletic nuns to hold her down. Uh, I don't know if when you go to <laughs> nun school, and I think we talked about this in the last recording, when you go to nun school, I don't know we if did. it's like... 
they have to go to like a nun version of Quantico and you got to like, you know, be, you know, obstacle courses and stuff. I'm not really sure how that works. Well, uh, and I, I believe even last time I told you the story. So being in Catholic schools, oh. so in high school, you know, we had to have our skirts a certain length and we'd roll them up and then you had to have your shirt tucked in and we would have it out <laughs> and you'd be walking down the hall <laughs> And a tiny little hand would come and grab you and pull you to the side to tuck in your shirt or fix your skirt. <laughs> and they were fucking strong. Like I was, um, I played sports. I was, you know, fit. And um, I remember one time this tiny, I mean, they're tiny. They, they were, the ones in my school were tiny. They were like not even five feet tall. I left bruises on my arm. Oh my like, God. they're super fucking strong. I don't, and I was telling you, like, I don't know if they have, like, none CrossFit or what, but <laughs> they are lifting, I don't know if it's just, like, lifting all these heavy books and what, whatever. I don't Bench know. Bench pressing they, Bibles. But, I mean, right? I don't like, know. They're, like, got the collection plate. I don't know what's happening. But uh, they are, the nuns in my life that I have experienced personally, how strong they are. They're fucking strong. <laughs> Don't wow. fuck with a nun. They right? They will rip they your great. arms right off. They're all like they're all like even if they're tiny and little, they're fucking they're always like kind of fit in a way. And you know <laughs> just just okay. know that black that habit is hiding some serious muscle under there. Okay, so when they do go to, it's not seminary school, is it? It's not some that's for nuns, right? No, it's, they go to the that's for priests. It's okay. um, they go to the convent and they take their vows, and then um, there was actually a convent attached to my high school. Oh, where really? they actually lived and stuff. Yeah, that we could actually like it connected right to the oh okay gym where they lived and stuff. And then there was another. Oh, they lived in the gym. Okay, that explains it. Yeah, yeah, explains. No, no, no. They went to nun. Okay, so basically they went to nun Quantico. Gotcha. Yes. So the convent is nun Quantico. Cool. Where they learn all their their ninja skills. (laughs) All their ninja skills. But it's Latin for nun Quantico. Gotcha. Okay. It is. It is. Yeah. Okay. So um, (laughs) that's Quanticatum or something (laughs) for Latin. (laughs) Quanticanimus or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. So back to Anna. Uh, and she's like, hi guys, you were telling my story here. Um, she levitated completely off the ground on more than one occasion. She leapt from her bed from a lying down position onto the wall above the door where she held on and she maintained her position. Um, apparently she was crouching, kind of defying gravity while holding onto the side of the wall. So what I imagine your kittens do. They do defy gravity all the time. Right. They're very mischievous. <laughs> you absolutely don't listen can, to that. Yeah, there they are. Ladies you can and hear gentlemen. them. They're mad at me because I, I didn't lock them out. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Laura's kittens. Um, apparently one time while she was unconscious, voices would talk, blaspheme, and verbally assault everyone present, but not through Anna's mouth. They came from her throat, but her lips never moved. That sounds terrifying to witness. It sounds Although, it does sound like a couple of my drunk friends back when I was in my early 20s. <laughs> um, I mean, hey, I mean, no judgment. Yeah. She vomited, spit, drooled, urinated, and defecated inhuman amounts and quantities of solids and fluids. Also sounds like some of my drunk friends back when in my early 20s. Um, mm. It was reported that Anna was urinating buckets worth of liquid daily. 
And this was at a time where she was hardly eating anything at all. Because remember, they were blessing her food and she wasn't touching it. She wouldn't eat it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. The weird thing about it, I mean, uh, there's so many weird things, but of the vomit. Let's talk about the vomit for a minute. Can we? Can we please? I was just thinking we should talk more about it. We should talk more about the consistency of the vomit. Let me tell you. Mm -hmm. She would vomit items such as tobacco leaves and other debris which resembled spices. So I don't know. Is that because the... um their parents had, um, or her parents, not parents, but aunts and father had, like, didn't they say that they had, um, like, they, put yes. spells on the spices that she ate? Right. So yeah. is that why she was, they were, like, coming out of her? Because that was, like, how the, maybe how they got in? I mean, I don't know. That could be. I mean, they had done that this back in, like, when she was four. Right. She was 14. So, like, late 1800s, early 1900s. But, I mean, it's entirely possible. Um, this is why I don't like spicy food. I, you just never fucking know. You never know what's going to happen. Honestly, I've had some spicy food that I felt like I needed an extra <laughs> I was having one. <laughs> My vomit also, like, was the amounts of really, things were coming out of me. Bad, bad things. <laughs> maybe she just had some bad Indian. I mean, I mean you know, maybe she you did. Know. You never know. Maybe she just had a really ill-prepared chicken foot with a dim sum that day. Um. Things happen. <laughs> So um, her head would also physically elongate and swell at certain times. Her body seemed as though it would expand to the point of severe bloating to where it appeared that Anna was almost double her normal size. And then when it would retract in size and return to normal, um, this could have been that time of the month. We don't know. Now, her lips uh, reportedly on some ac- occasions grew to the size of hands. So she's kind of walking around like Kylie Jenner. Um, yeah, pretty much. Like, <laughs> she's going to be super popular on Instagram. A thousand percent. Uh, she mm-hmm. exhibited signs of possessed gravity. And this is what I think, Laura, is the craziest. To th- So possessed gravity, she apparently, to the point that while she would lie in bed, she became so heavy that the bed sank and the iron it was made of, the bed mm-hmm. frame, would bend. And those old beds are super fucking strong. A thousand um, percent. They're like what cars used to be made of. So is that like all the weight of all the people that were like inside her? Like That's a good question. I have no idea. I have no idea. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're 120 pounds and then there's like, you, you know, add five like other people in there. 500 like, pounds of demon? Be, I don't know. I don't. Right. You know what I mean? Like is that, is that what that is? That is like crazy, all the right? Weight of all the, what the people would be, you know what I mean, in real life? That's like, a really good question. You know what? Next time you go to church, ask a priest. Oh, it's going to be a while. Re- okay. Report I back. Will. All right, everybody, stay tuned. I'm sure they're going to be super excited to talk to me about it. <laughs> like, I know I haven't been here in a minute, but I have some very specific questions about exorcism. If you could just talk to me about if it. If you could just, yeah, help me out. Um, <laughs> they're going to be like, oh yeah, I bet you are possessed. We're going to need to call the Vatican for you immediately. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so <clears throat> she displayed numerous instances in which she had hidden knowledge or knowledge of the unknown. Um, she would verbally assault the nuns present and the priests present by reciting sins they had committed in their childhoods. 
which I want you to remember that particular thing. Okay. Okay. She predicted that um, an almost fatal car accident would strike Father Steiger and that it was a warning for him to walk away from the exorcism and to rescind his invitation to other priests. Um, There were inhuman and unbearable smells that would constantly assault the senses of everybody present. Hordes of flies and those demon mosquitoes would suddenly manifest and then disappear just as quickly. I'm not entirely sure what the purpose of the flies and the mosquitoes is in paranormal activity, aside from just being a fucking nuisance. Like, that's brilliant, if you ask me. Well... If you have a malevolent spirit I mean, that wants to bug you, you like, like, literally, flies and mosquitoes are it. Well, and if you have, um, flies to me are always just a sign of death. Because okay. when something dies, that's, like, one of the first things. Blow flies, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? So, maggots. Yeah. But, um... <gasps> But you know what I'm saying? Like that right, would, you yeah. know, and it's supposed to be, aren't they? Aren't Decay, that kind of, one yeah. Of the, one of the um, plagues. Locusts. I thought flies were, yeah, yeah. But I, I thought that we're not flies, but one of the plagues. I can't remember the plagues, but it sounds very plague-like. I don't sounds know. Like, you studied the Bible. Mm-hmm. I didn't. Dude, I don't remember. It's been a minute. So I don't remember the plagues, but it, it does sound very plague-like. It does sound very plaguey. It's very plaguey. Yeah, it sounds plaguey. Plaguey. It's very plaguey. <laughs> plague-y. I think that needs to be a new sticker. That sounds it's very plaguey. plaguey. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, I'm not into it. It I'm not. Plague-y. It's too plaguey. Um, <laughs> so... <clears throat> Most importantly, what had happened was this is actually the only case of possession where the priest had a lucid, vivid, waking vision with sixth sense during the exorcism. Now, without him stopping the exorcism, for the last half hour or so of it, Father Theo physically saw both Lucifer and Beelzebub standing in the corner, um, confined there, which that... Couldn't have been. That had to be terrifying. Um, For real. The room was completely set aflame in this vision, and Lucifer was described as being extremely tall with matted black fur on his lower hooved body and wearing a crown. He was holding a sword that was on fire, and he was seething with rage at Father Theo because he was confined by God's law to be unable to caught... Nope. To be unable to cause physical harm to a person. Beelzebub was also there, as he's apparently Lucifer's second-in-command. Um, he was also seething in rage, rage, but not quite as vocal. Um, so... <clears throat> that could We did not... talk about Beelzebub was, is known to be, like, with flies, right? I thought. Right. I think we did. So maybe I think we did. Yeah. I thought that was part of the case. He's supposed to, some of them, like, you know, just basically grow shit accompanies with them. It's never like. Right. They have like a thing. Rainbows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it's, yeah, exactly. Like there's a nasty occurrence that also comes with the nasty demon that you got. It's a twofer. Yeah. It's a twofer. 
Yay. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, guys, at this point, we um, kind of reached the midpoint of our show. Typically, uh, in the flow of our story, we Laura tells her history portion, and then I dive into my hauntings after we promote a buddy podcast or what have you. Um, since this one is kind of a tag team effort, we're going to kind of take a tiny little pause right here, and we're going to encourage you guys, if you're liking the show so far, those of you on YouTube, uh, again, this is just rehearsal, so we're going to say it anyway to the listeners. Thank you so much for bearing with us. Um, but if you're liking the show so far, please, please, please uh, go ahead and like, comment, and subscribe. Um, we certainly do want to hear from you guys. What do you like? What don't you like? We're new to this video thing, so tell us, you know, hey, how can we make this show better? What would you like to see? Do you have a listener suggestion? Let us know in the comments. So um, anyway, that's our quick little promotion. Now, Laura, let's pick it back up. The show's Carrie. All right, say hi to everybody. We're recording. Hello. Maybe after you get a haircut, close the door. Now. Also get a haircut. Here are some noteworthy quotes from the book Begone Satan. Uh, This is in regards to the quote, discussions that were portrayed in the book. Um, The reader would undoubtedly be misled if he were of the opinion that these questions and answers followed in regular order. It must be remembered that these battles and encounters with the devils extended over a number of days. At times, the answers were interrupted by hours and hours of howling and yelling, which could be brought into submission only by prolonged prayer and persistent exorcism. It's a, it's, a tra- Often, it's a trait that, it's a technique that new parents try. It doesn't work, but we try it. We do try. Lots mm-hmm. of howling and yelling on our end and <laughs> right. lots of praying. Right, yeah. And the exorcism <laughs> is not successful usually. Not usually, no. 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 So often no further answers could be forced from the devils in any other way. Countless brats of devils also interrupted the process of exorcism by their disagreeable and almost unbearable interferences. As a result of these disturbances, the woman's face became so distorted that no one could recognize her features. Okay, so the elongated and swollen kind of... Yeah, like all the... Beavis and butthead looking kind of face. uh Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. Uh, Then, too, her whole body became so horribly disfigured that the regular contour of her body vanished. Her pale, death-like, and emaciated head often assuming the size of an inverted water pitcher, became as red as glowing embers. Her eyes protruded out of their sockets, her lips swelled up to proportions equaling the size of hands, and her thin, emaciated body was bloated to such enormous size that the pastor and some of the sisters drew back out of fright, thinking that the woman would be torn to pieces and burst asunder. I mean, that's fair. I would be taken aback and fright myself. <laughs> it sounds very Willy Wonka, Willy Wonka kind of situation. But much with a Nobody Stephen King that. bend to it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So at times her abdominal region and extremities became as hard as iron and stone. In such instances, the weight of her body pressed into the iron bedstead so that the iron rods of the bed bent to the floor. So that's that kind of... Okay, so instead of her just, like, being, 
like seemingly weighed. So instead of it being like maybe she's weighed down by a number of entities inside of her, mm-hmm. her body parts got, you said, hard like iron and stone. So maybe, I don't know. That's, I, physiologically, uh, there's no explanation for that. Right, that's not possible. It's not possible. Um, even in an actual dead body, that's not possible and when people have that water weight gain that would give you the weight sure and not that much weight but some weight um there's I mean, still that's that, a like, hell of a lot of water them, weight you know what i mean yeah right. you can poke people like i forget there's that word for it but yeah well yeah i mean um, and if, if if her actual extremities became hard as iron or stone i don't i don't know i don't know of any sort of like illness or situation Scleroderma does that but like that's when you have to get them your things cut off because it they basically die yeah see and but there's no additional weight added to i don't know Mm -hmm. it's weird no 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 it's it's they get hard that's the only thing i can think of (laughs) right yeah that's i mean but yeah i don't i don't know i i haven't taken enough anatomy courses to be able to even try to hazard a guess i just know that even in death it the human body does rigor mortis is, you know, it goes through that, but thing, yeah. it doesn't add weight like that to bend uh-uh. an iron, a bed frame. I don't know. I just, anywho, if you Crazy guys stuff. know, let us know. Right. Feel free to try. <laughs> please, please tell us. <laughs> so uh, there was also severe opposition when confronted with the prayer of St. Michael, the archangel who was promoted and given um, the power by God to expel Lucifer from heaven during the war in heaven. Yeah. The original short version of the prayers listed below and has been known to have extreme efficacy against all aspects of the diabolical paranormal. Oh, yes. Shout out to St. Michael. All right. So the prayer is uh, St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our safeguard against the wickedness and snares of the devil. Restrain him, O God, we humbly beseech thee. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host... By the power of God, cast him into hell with the other evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Yes. Um, Every time I go into a location or every time we do uh, an episode that is particularly dark, um, I always say a prayer to St. Michael um, for for these very reasons. Um, I just think, yeah, I I just, some of these these places that, that... we go into and we investigate um, are no, especially ones that are known to have malevolent entities, um, potentially demonic entities. Yeah. I always say a prayer to St. Mm-hmm. Michael for this very reason. Um, now there is the protection of St. Christopher as well. So the church had provided a special blessing under the protection of St. Christopher against evil and disastrous influences. Therefore, it's actually customary to put one of these blessed medals or medallions in a car for safety's sake, which I thought that was really interesting. Um, St. Christopher is super popular um, to wear as a medallion in the Catholic faith. Really? Mm -hmm. St. Christopher medallions are very popular. Huh. For protection. Uh, Sure. I'll have to ask... Jennifer, Jennifer, and her family are Catholic. Um, both of her kids went to CCD, like the in, the, the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, 
who I think, and I'll have to ask her because I could be entirely wrong, but I think Jared, so when you, when you so graduate from CCD, essentially, you have mm-hmm. to pick a, a, a name, right? Um, it, it's a name of a saint. So typically. it's for your confirmation. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So when you, when you do the sacrament of confirmation, you pick like a confirmation name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> my nephew, Jared, uh, Jennifer's son and Emma's older brother chose St. Anthony, uh, because I guess he's the patron saint of lost things. And Jared literally loses yeah. everything. <laughs> Which I thought was really, really cute. Um, that was cute. Yeah. Yeah. My so. favorite, most <laughs> fucked up saint is, um, and I might get it wrong, but I'm going to try it to remember, uh, St. Bartholomew. Okay. He was um, an early Christian who was grilled alive. And okay. so he is now the Satan patron saint of barbecues. <laughs> You gotta love the Catholic sense of humor, <laughs> and he's actually depicted in the Sistine Chapel, like holding his own skin and um, behind the um, behind the altar. Oh my God! Really? And they're holding his own. Skin. Yeah, for real. Wow. I mean, mm-hmm. interesting. Huh. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Jennifer's, I believe, is Elizabeth, and I'm not sure yeah. who that what that saint to be represents. Honest, I don't even remember who my. Oh, it was so long ago. I don't remember. Yeah, I'm not really sure. And then Emma's, um, she uh, picked Saint Phoebe, which I know there was a reason why she picked that. But to Jennifer and I, we were mm-hmm. like Phoebe for friends, Phoebe. Phoebe. You know, it was. We of course had to right. trample all over the the true meaning of it, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Emma was all right with it at the time. Granted, she was like, I don't know, how old are you? Thirteen, fourteen. Thirteen, yeah. Yeah. Usually thirteen, fourteen. Yeah. So anyway, now that we have um, shown our complete lack of knowledge of Catholic saints, (laughs) it's also been claimed in the section of the book titled Speeches of Satan that the actual girl was not the one doing the speaking. And I had mentioned this earlier, that the voices were sort of coming from her throat, but she would be unconscious, her mouth wasn't moving, that kind of thing. Um, Like a ventriloquist kind of situation. Right, yeah. The devil had actually spoken from within her, not through her Mm -hmm. mouth. Um, Right. So in this section, Satan's knowledge can be embarrassing. It's also once again mentioned in conjunction with what my good buddy Ed Warren had said in the book, The Demonologist, the diabolical entities will make startling revelations that that they only knew the sins in which you had not confessed. So if you had confessed these sins to a priest, the demons claimed that they would have no knowledge of those sins, which I thought was really interesting because remember when I had mentioned some of the paranormal things that were going on with Anna, she was spitting out sins that the priests and the nuns had committed when they were young. So it stands to me, I think that if, they were, you know, priests and nuns, they were would have confessed all of their sins by this point of their lives and careers or what have you in the faith. It's interesting to me that maybe there but was as a one kid when you're going to confession, like Oh, maybe, yeah. You're not you kinda like wanna hold back. You know what I mean? Like you might not wanna be completely honest because Okay. Especially back then, like 
God, there was this great movie. Um, what is it? Oh, I'm gonna have to think about it. But anyway, about uh, like the early 1950s kids in Catholic school. So, um, but it's pretty spot on from what I've heard from my dad. Um, that if you had confessed certain things, like they would literally pull you out and tell your parents, <laughs> like nobody gave a fuck. Like you were going to get paddled for okay. it, you know, like, yeah, we'll forgive your sin, but you're also going to get some serious shit for it. So there, it's very possible that hmm. especially as children, um, with how draconian the church was in their mm, doling of justice. That's really interesting because isn't that supposed to be like, like, uh, you, whatever sin you confess, I always thought that no matter how the age, it was a private thing between you and I'm just saying that in Catholic school, it wasn't always like that. Hmm, that's interesting. And not when I went, but I mean, I didn't confess anything that bad either. But, um, like, had you said something really fucked up, they, I'm, I'm sure that the priest would have called your parents. I, I killed the neighbor. And you would have gotten I in killed trouble. the neighbor and I buried him in the. Uh, yeah, okay. Something, you know what something I mean? Very like, something severe, real fucked yeah. up, like. Yeah. So if they had done anything like that and then were afraid to confess it, you know back then um, because of the draconian okay. punishment that they would have received probably from everyone involved their Catholic community. They might not so have many, been completely so honest many people. Yeah. I mean, it's very possible. I mean, that's the only thing that I can, you know, think of. I can say. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the name of the movie that I'm thinking of is called heaven help us. Oh, and it came on the eighties. I mean, I've, I think I've heard of that movie, but um, it's great. You should watch it. So, <sighs> confirm that that's the movie. Is it? Is that it? Have an album? It is. It is. It Who's is. in it? It's from the eighties, and it has Anthony Michael Hall, like Donald Sutherland, Andrew McCarthy, Mary oh. Stuart Masterson, ah, Brad um, Kevin okay. Dillon. Yeah, yeah, like you know, all the eighties peeps. <laughs> Not all of them, but a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's a good one. All right, cool. Um, so from the book titled The Demonologist, The Extraordinary Career of Ed and Lorraine Warren, um, there's a section in the book that where Ed Warren ha- actually had to say this about the status of sins revealed. It reads, quote, as the exorcism progresses, the pro- possessing entities usually put pour forth... Whoa. Too many, that that was bad for me. Um, pour forth vulgar, blasphemous language, crude, filthy gutter talk. Speaking in a gross, inhuman voice, these things will also challenge the scriptures being read and sometimes even correct the exorcist. Should he happen to omit a phrase or pronounce some Latin word or English in the ritual? Um, so I'd basically be screwed. Uh, <laughs> right, yeah. So these insults and slanderings would later change into a demoralizing personal assault directed against everybody present. These spirits, you see, not only know the scriptures, they also know the life of everyone in the room. They'll try to drive the exorcist and his assistants away by bringing up hurtful, 
um, incidents in these people's lives, recounting their personal tragedies with perverse delight. They'll reveal personal things that a person may feel terribly guilty about or dredge up events that provoke great pain and sorrow. Uh, When that doesn't work, they'll humiliate each and every person by reciting all of their mortal sins in front of everybody. Dwelling on those sins, um, of course, are likely to be the most embarrassing things to a particular person. For Catholics, this latter problem is avoided through confession. Strangely enough, the demonic has no knowledge of sins that have been confessed, which I thought was really fascinating, and I had never ever heard or known before. I, don't know. I think it's really interesting. I think so too. too. Yeah, for sure. Cause again, like kind of like what we talked about in confession, it's supposed to be once you confess those sins, they're supposed to be like wiped from your soul. Like you're forgiven and you right. your penance and, right. yeah. and it moves on. But if you don't confess from them, then they're on your soul. Ugh. Yeah. I Catholicism mean, is fun. <laughs> There's a lot to it. I will admit there's a lot. It's to for it. sure. There's a super lot to it. Um, I remember, <laughs> just as a quick aside, there was a woman that I worked with a long time ago when I was a sales manager in hotels, and she had mentioned that she was Catholic. And she was <laughs> she was a really wonderful, wonderful, warm, funny woman. And I said... I said, oh, I, she, I said something to the effect of her being a practicing Catholic. And she was like, no, I was raised in the Catholic Church. Um, I don't necessarily feel that I am a Catholic because I don't necessarily know that any religion that you have to practice at for the rest of your life is one that I fit into. And I was like, I really kind of like that. So every time somebody says, oh, you know, I'm a practicing Catholic, it's like, oh, I think about that, like... A religion mm-hmm. you have to practice for the rest of your life. And there's just so many rules and like sub layers of things within Catholicism that unless you're born into that faith, I feel is very, very difficult for an outsider to come into, especially if you're like marrying a Catholic and you, it's important that you get married in a Catholic church and there's like, it's just, it's a beautiful religion, I believe, but it's, there's a lot to it. I think. I think that's true about every religion, though. There's so much depth to a lot of them yeah. and so many different things to learn if you're not born into it and brought up in it um, yeah. to, you know, become to, be, you know, become um, a part of the, the Jewish faith. I know that that's not easy. Oh, either. Yeah. Um, yeah. And same thing, you know, to convert to Muslim to it. Right. Almost anything. Buddhism is fairly easy, um, but you still have things you have to do, too, to get, like, um, their version of baptized, right? Right, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of that in every religion, I think, that um, it just depends on how much, I think, you are involved in them. The yeah. extent of what, how, like, you know, how, how much stuff you go into to get to the level right. in the church or the church or the temple or the religion that you want to get to. So right. Yeah. You can have a casual knowledge and go, um, you know, to temple or go to, um, the mosque, but sure. to really become, you know, almost everything you have to take classes or, 
that you don't right. need yeah. to take classes to learn. Right. Um, and there's a lot to it. So, but we do deal with Catholicism a lot in this stuff that we talk about. We so do, sure. and I think it's a more widely recognized religion simply because it's so old, simply because it is such a powerful religion in um, every kind of aspect. In the Western world. Yeah. 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 In the um, Western world, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. So I don't think there's, right. any, there's very few people that, that don't know who the Pope is. Um, they might not know exactly. his name, but they certainly know who he is. Um, but I don't mm-hmm. think people can say that about the heads of other religions. Um, but anyway, sorry, tangent, a thousand percent. Go on. All, right. All right, we're done. All right, go. All right, all right. Yes. All right, so uh, back to the story. Uh, <laughs> according to the priest attending to the exorcism during the final days of the ritual, Lucifer himself, as well as his right hand, Beelzebub, was present in the room, threatening and watching the priest continue with the ritual uh, Romanum. The author remarks that the truly amazing aspects of Anna's possession were her basic virtue and pious disposition throughout her ordeal, because the devil has no power over the free will of a human being. So sensing his eventual triumph, Father Theo continued to exhort the devils to depart, and by the latter part of December 1928, they began to weaken and moan rather than scream against his efforts. Father Theo demanded that when they returned to hell, each should call out his name as a sign of his or her departure, and the devils agreed. On December 23rd, 1928, at about 9 p.m., Anna suddenly jerked up and stood erect in bed, looking as if she were about to rise to the ceiling. Father Steiger called for the nuns to pull her down, while Father Theo blessed her and roared, Depart, you fiends of hell, be gone, Satan, the Lion of Judah reigns. Anna crumbled back onto the bed as a terrible shout of Beelzebub, Judas, Jacob, Mina, followed by hell, 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 filled the room. Repeated several times until the sound seemed to fade into the distance. Anna opened her eyes and smiled, while tears of joy ran down her face and she cried, My Jesus mercy, praise be Jesus Christ. Wow. Wow. It's really intense. It's really, really intense. Yeah. Um, so the book Begone Satan des- describes the end that, quote, during the first thrills of joy, they were not even aware of the terrible odor that filled the room. All the windows had to be opened. The stench was something unearthly and simply unbearable. It was the last souvenir of the infernal devils for those that for those they had to abandon upon the earth. Um, now, Reisinger's exorcism was reportedly successful, and Anna only exhibited milder and quite manageable possessions after it. What? <laughs> right. I, They're just like many, many devils, many devils. Right, yeah. Um, her true mm-hmm. identity was kept um, protected from the public in written accounts, up until obviously recently. Everybody found out that her name was actually Emma Schmidt, but um, mm. Anna Eklund, Emma Schmidt, died on <laughs> oh God, died on July twenty third, nineteen forty one, at the age of fifty nine. In twenty sixteen, a fictionalized British produced television or film entitled rather "The Exorcism of Anna Eklund" was released, documenting her possession. And her exorcism. And ladies and gentlemen, this is the picture of Anna Eklund. 
Aw, sweet baby. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's, that is it. That is the crazy story of the possession of Anna Eklund. Um, I do really like this one, uh, simply because it is, it is vastly different and every possession case is vastly different, but from the ones that we're used to hearing about, you know, Roland Doe and mm-hmm. Annalisa Michelle and, um, it's different. And, and what I think skews it into its own special section is the fact that people that were supposed to love her and take care of her brought this on her. 100%. I think that's just absolutely stunning that, that that was, that that was the case. So anyway, yeah, that, that was that. What'd you think of it, Laura? It's a very interesting story. Um, the fact that the church seems to be the only source of information regarding it. I mean, minus the Times article, but that all came from another priest, it seems like. So I find that very interesting. Yeah. Like it was kind of hush-hush with the Vatican-ish, yeah. but not quite because they put they did put it into a Time Magazine article. But Right. They, they granted the permission for this. Right. This uh, Father Theo journalist, yeah, yeah, to talk about it, yeah, yeah which is in and of itself very unVatican. It's very <laughs> remarkable, right? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like, I think only reason is because it was so long ago, um, I don't right? Know. And because everybody involved is probably dead by now, and yeah, it was right. started. It started super early on. Yeah, yeah, way before the 1900s. So, even tell Zane, right? <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> 1900s are pesky. Um, but yeah, that part I, I really find very interesting. The allowance of the Vatican to allow yeah. the books to be written. Um, yeah. Again, it, like, it seems like it was very much controlled by the Catholic Church. So everything took place in a convent. Um, it was yeah. only... Instead of a house or um, what have you. There weren't lay people at the exorcisms there's no lay people that know anything about what happened so right. the fact of the vet and and for them to rem- for the priests to be able to write about it they had to get permission from the vatican so the vatican allowed these books to be written and, and allowed um yeah. these stories to be told i find that very interesting yeah i think so too because i think well and i think i had a thought i think i had a thought and it's gone did you? now. How did that yeah. go? Not great. It didn't, I, I it forgot. Didn't go. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't go anywhere. It did. There's no train. No. There's no tracks. There's nobody at the station. I'm not sure what the fuck happened to that thought. But anyway, um, right. yeah. So that was uh, the possession of Anna Eklund, guys. As always, we want to tell you where you can follow us. Uh, Laura, take it away. Uh, you can follow us on. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, and at hoahpodcast.com. We're on the TikTok at H-O-A-H podcast at H-O-A-H carry at H-O-A-H co-host Laura. Good Lord, that's a mouthful. Also, you can find us wherever you like your podcast uh, app. I'm like, what are we doing here? Um, <laughs> Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, 
Yeah, um, we're everywhere. iHeartRadio, Amazon Music. We are fucking everywhere. All the places. Yeah. All the places. Yeah. Um, TikTok is the only social media app where Laura and I actually do have private um, accounts associated with the podcast. So you can certainly follow us there. And um, I believe that is it, guys. So we certainly want to say thank you so much for watching. Again, if you liked it, great please rate review and subscribe on your favorite podcast station and uh to that end we always want to say please please stay safe out there because you never know who or what is listening bye guys (laughs) thanks guys